Hello and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Joined by your usual hosts here, Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. And today we are joined by Brandon Rollins, a game designer and, uh, well, community manager for a Discord channel supporting other game designers. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Excellent. Community daddy. Community daddy. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I don't know if any job description should include the word daddy. Yeah. I, I can't see any problems with it. Personally. Uh, m- millennials have ruined that word, haven't they? <laughs> Millen- them damn millennials. Them damn millennials. <laughs> Dirty bastards. Strictly speaking, aren't you one? We're all millennials. I, oh, no, I'm, I'm not a millennial. No, you are. A millennial's defined as anyone who comes to adulthood in the early 21st century. So well, you're on the bandwagon, shoot. mate. <sighs> <laughs> Is that just rude, your day? Moving on. <laughs> right, but so uh, we've got Brandon on the show uh, this afternoon. So why don't we kick things off with uh, just uh, tell us about your latest project then that you're working on. Sure. My latest project is called Highways and Byways. It's a board game about taking really, really long road trips across the United States. Mm-hmm. It's coming to Kickstarter late March. And so, yeah. So, just describe how, how does the game work? I've seen uh, I've seen the board, which is just the map of the United States. Um, uh, is it reminded me a lot of Ticket to Ride, but it's uh, it's not quite the same, is it? It does share a visual similarity to Ticket to Ride, mm-hmm. but it differs a lot once you get underneath that surface. Um, the whole the whole core of the game is that it is a race. You mm-hmm. start at a home space, you travel all your routes, and you do this before anyone else, and that's how you win. Mm-hmm. Um, at the beginning, uh, about a third of the game, you're drafting your byway cards, which determines mm-hmm. which roads you'll be traveling on. So that's a really strategic part. And then right. little by little, as the days go on, you'll be moving every turn. On those turns where you're moving, you have a handful of event cards, which you have limited control over. And the player clockwise of you will draw one of those cards out of your hand. Whatever's on that card, positive or negative, happens to you. Right. So it sounds and like a, a little element of uh, deck building and drafting in there as well? Yes, there is drafting early on. There's a lot of hand management later on, which you can you can blow through a lot of that and still have a great time, even if you uh-huh. don't pay a lot of attention to that. But um, there is a trade-off where you can decide, do I move all the spaces I can move in a turn? Six, usually. Mm-hmm. Or do I trade in one space to discard something I don't like to get something that might be better in its place? Okay, so a little bit of risk reward there as well. Now that sounds good. Right. Sounds good. I mean, you sold me with the uh, cards and drafting, to be honest. So well, I was actually going to say, um, with the the drafting and the deck building elements, and with the the, the racer and the board. It sounds as though it's a game that's going to appeal to a spectrum of players. Was that a conscious design decision? I wanted to appeal to a a lot more people than I did with my first game, Warco. And Mm -hmm. I was just shooting for 
okay, make it a family game, make it casual, make it something the kids can pick up, and just like, we are moving fast, and that's all it is to them. And also, I wanted to make something that's got deeper elements of strategy, like you can draft the perfect route early on, or a really good route. Um, you can try and screw over your opponents. You can line up your strategy with special vehicles that have special abilities, stuff like that. So it was conscious. A lot of the way that manifested itself was um, experimentation and mm-hmm. keeping what worked. Excellent. And uh, so how how far... I mean, I imagine you're quite far through playtesting uh, now that you're, you've got a date, effectively, for Kickstarter. Yes. It's been really 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 close to finish since october i added one last thing and that just really was the final um that was a seasoning salt that you add at like the right time to soup that was the thing yeah. that finished it and then i played it like a hundred more times just to, to catch anything weird that could come out of it after that it was done um beginning of the year i ordered a whole bunch of copies sent them out to reviewers and now it's being checked out by other people Mm-hmm. And the feedback, uh, has that all been positive so far? Still waiting, because the the review copies actually just arrived a few days ago, and they usually okay. have like a six, eight week uh, lead time. Mm-hmm. But I've was... had lots of really good feedback from playtesting. Excellent. It must be quite nerve-wracking, uh, that period between sending out your review copies to, to hearing back from your reviewers. It is, but a lot of what they say ends up mimicking what you hear in playtesting, so most people will probably like it. A handful won't, because that's just the way it goes with any game. You can make the perfect game and you'll get like one or two bad reviews. Yeah, sure. No, good stuff, good stuff. Mm -hmm. So, uh, this this isn't your first uh, crack at Kickstarter, is it? uh, Your previous project, you you funded through that as well, is that right? That's right. My previous project was called Warco, and I kick-started that in August. And if you want to be really technical, I failed to kick-start it in February of 2016. Ah, we're we're not counting. Uh, it, to be honest, that's quite um, that, that that's quite a common thing for people who are launching projects on Kickstarter. Though they'll they'll, fall, they'll often falter with the first try at it, and then yeah. if anything, it gives you a lot uh, a lot to learn from and improve on for the second time around. And I've, you know, obviously, your previous project did uh, did get funded eventually. The the next time you tried right. it. It, 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 is that what you found as well then? A lot of people going in, including myself, because I got into gaming in the most like backwards way possible, um, a lot of people think of Kickstarter as kind of like an ATM, where mm-hmm. they think they go in with a good idea, they do half the work and other people will back it. The reality is that it's more like you need to be almost completely done, leave just enough room for backers to give meaningful feedback that you can act on. Mm-hmm. and. Um, You have to really take your best work before you go to Kickstarter. You have to be pretty much ready to go. No, I agree. I think um, certainly the projects that have been the most successful, uh, they definitely definitely look like very nearly finished products when they get to that point. And it's just a case of, we need this money to mass produce it now. Uh, There's not much... um, I don't think there'll be much in the way of game development (laughs) from that point. It's extremely competitive once you get to Kickstarter, and the thing that makes the difference is having finished start and having reviews and all that stuff. 
Mm-hmm. You have to build your own audience too. You can't count on Kickstarter to give that to you. Exactly. Exactly. So, one of the things that that we've noticed when we've spoken to a, a number of independent game designers is that t- timing is a crucial part of of Kickstarter, and and that there's definitely been a trend recently for larger companies uh, like Cool Mini or not privateer press to mm-hmm. to to use kickstarter uh to launch some of their games um is is that something that uh that you've had to consider with any of the, the heavy hitters um uh, coming around your release window in my experience um just keeping an eye on small kickstarters there's not really ever a perfect time to launch but mm-hmm. there are a lot of mistakes that if you avoid them, you will probably be okay. Mm-hmm. Or you sure. will have probably done about as good as you could um, potentially do. You mm-hmm. want to, you always want to launch at the beginning of the week, like Monday, Tuesday, one mm-hmm. of those two. If you can launch after a payday, even better, but I'm not convinced that there's a massive difference. Um, you want to launch around mid morning so you can catch Europeans in the afternoon and Americans in the mornings i'm talking mid-morning like uh, american time yeah that that, something i've never even considered but it makes complete sense doesn't it just uh, trying to get the best window of opportunity possible absolutely if you can beat out other kickstarters by like 30 or 45 minutes that is a big difference because you could already have 1500 dollars or or something like that and you could get pushed up higher in that algorithm just by launching a little bit earlier than someone else yeah um yeah like monday tuesday mid-morning there's also there are tools like kick track that will that are based in european time so you want to get a lot of money in that first 12 hours Mm -hmm. or so to show up higher in their algorithms you want to be able to to get on there at the right time so that when your tweets and facebook posts go out that those will get bumped up on Mm -hmm. their peak hours it, it's so there's so much that goes into that yeah. and like if you start at the at a mo- like monday tuesday mid-morning and you avoid the end of the year for like tax purposes so like november mm-hmm. december um other than that you stay january to october mid-morning monday tuesday the only thing left is make sure you don't overlap with a big project yeah Okay. So there is no perfect time, but if you meet like those uh, those like four conditions, um, you've got lots of you've got lots of perfectly good times you can launch. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite interesting that um, the big projects, in your experience, avoiding them is the last consideration because it, it's certainly something that um, a lot of uh, a lot of other commentators and and reviewers are, are becoming a bit more concerned about is the the yeah. tendency towards these big kickstarted games almost eclipsing uh, some of the more well established and some of the 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 smaller designers. It's quite interesting. my feeling. My feeling with that is that it will it can slow down organic hits that you get from Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. um. The vast majority of your people should be coming through either your immediate audience, I'm talking mailing lists, uh, social media, mm-hmm. and their friends. Um, 
and maybe 30-40% will come from Kickstarter itself. Now, if you launch at the wrong if you launch at the wrong time, yeah, you could lose that 30-40%, but you've still got your own audience to rely on. Sure. Which still don't launch it like Sunday at 6 p.m. But yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fantastic. That's some great advice uh, there as well for anyone who's considering uh, putting a project through Kickstarter. So thanks very mm-hmm. much for that. So uh, going back to the game itself, then, uh, what made you want to design a game set? Uh, I suppose the, the uh, sort of idyllic American road trip. What made you want to do that? Well, after I launched Warco, that was a super stressful thing. Um, mm-hmm. I launched I, I, I launched it, and it was funded in September. I mm-hmm. had a couple more weeks of work I needed to get done. And then late that October, I just drove and drove and drove and drove and drove. I drove from Tennessee, which is about um, south-central U.S., all the way to the Grand Canyon, which is over in Arizona. We're talking far west. I'm, I'm, I was just going to say that. That's pretty much half the country isn't it <laughs> yeah it's it's probably over half the country and then i drove up to yellowstone which is itself half the country the other way yeah um this was all within the span of like a week too or a week and an extra weekend so like nine days mm-hmm. um and then i drove all the way back to my home in chattanooga and i've done other trips like this too i've done I've driven up what's called the Blue Ridge Parkway. It's up in the Appalachian Mountains, mm-hmm. not too far from me, but that was a marathon road trip for Labor Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I've driven up to Maine, which is all the way in the the very, very northeast of America. I've, oh goodness, I've driven down to the bottom of Texas, so that was like Oof. right along the Mexican border. Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. a lot of places, and along and somewhere along the the way, I, I said to myself, "This would make a really good board game if I could just do it right." Yeah, excellent. and I looked at I looked at an interstate map, and I'm like, "This is point to point movement right here. Mm-hmm. This is exa- yeah. this is exactly point to point movement already." <laughs> the the uh, American A to Z did half the design work for you there. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I think I should give um, Dwight Eisenhower a producer <laughs> credit or something for this. Brilliant. Do you know, the thing that strikes me, though, is uh, there's, there's something um, uh, there's something a little special about the idea of the American road trip. I don't think the mm-hmm. game would quite work if it was set in uh, the British Isles. Like... No, no, there's something very... Um, <laughs> There's something really special about that particular kind of American lore, and especially right now, I'm just really in the mood for any reason for America to look good right now. (laughs) (laughs) Can't think why. Uh, No, I can't imagine why, but you know, I I really I really like the idea of um, of you know the whole driving off into the sunset. You're free to go anywhere you want, that kind of thing. and I, I did a lot of research, and I did everything I could to try and capture that in a game. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a shoebox full of travel brochures that I have looked through for inspiration. I was just picking them up at, like, rest stops. Yeah. And yeah. hotels. Well, motels, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a cheapskate. Yeah. It's quite interesting uh, uh, what you're saying, Brandon, about uh, trying to capture that idyllic feel of riding off into the sunset because mm-hmm. you know, although we're, we're joking about um, trying to make America look good at the moment um, <laughs> one of the things that a lot of historians say is that um, during particularly 
tumultuous times throughout history. Uh, the, there's a direct relationship between the, the, the strife in the world and the tendency towards people to, to seek out nostalgic things. I mean, That's you, true. You've got that in the, the, the 50s. Mm. There's a huge culture of nostalgia, particularly in America. And then you had the, the imminence of, uh, you know, you had the, the Cold War mm. going on in the background. Yeah. So um, I, I say all that to say, um, did you did you want to to create something that uh, was almost a little bit uh, counterculture, try, trying to remedy a bit of the, the nastiness going around at the moment? No, that was just a happy accident. I had the idea for this game. Well, actually, yeah, I guess things were already getting weird. But I, I had the idea for this game before things got really, really heated up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just happened that way to uh, to time it. Well, I actually had a brief moment. I'm like, oh, I hope people still like America when I kickstart this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope they still like us. I think, no, I... I, I... I think that image of the American road trip riding off into the yeah. sunset that's uh, it's so rooted in pop culture and uh, mm-hmm. you know movies TV that you watch uh, I don't think that's ever going to go away it's completely and devoid I, of politics as well yeah, so it, it's absolutely. not like um, you, you, you're going to offend anyone with that I mean if you're offended by that then you really are too sensitive you need to get a hobby I think <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So, uh, have we got a definite start for the Kickstarter? You mentioned end of March. So, I have one in my head, but I need to do a handful of things before I actually say a date online. That's fair. That's fair. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sure uh, we'll uh, we'll let our listeners know when that's going to happen, and uh, you'll be posting it all over social media so that's uh, highways and byways Uh, keep uh, keep an eye out end of March uh, for that one launching on Kickstarter and if you like nostalgia Mm -hmm. and you like road trips Brandon's got you covered if you like bright colours really I There's was saying to really Ben before we started recording, I really like the look of it. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's just really easy on the eye, mm. which uh, it sounds like such a, a, a silly thing to say, but you know, when uh, this hobby is really tactile and really aesthetic, so I think getting that right is a very important part of it as well. So uh, uh, kudos for that. I, I really like the uh, art direction and uh, the style of the game. There's a very specific style we wanted to capture. There was a brief moment in our history where um, road travel got really affordable, and this lined up with the time when colors were really bright in just like mm-hmm. everything. We're talking late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. I took some old postcards and I say to James, I'm like, what can you do with this? And he says, I've got you covered and cranks out everything that you see online. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, that's uh, end of March, folks, so keep an eye out online and uh, keep an eye out on Kickstarter. So thanks very much for that, Brandon. So uh, I suppose the other thing that we were really wanting to speak to you about is uh, the Discord channel that you have uh, established and fostered uh, helping supporting other uh, game developers, well, uh, throughout the world, I guess. Is that right? Yes, I've got people from all over the place in the Discord server. Excellent. Mate, what's so? What's the official name of the Discord server? It's maybe worth mentioning that. 
One moment while I click on my Discord server. <laughs> Pangea Games. Pangea Games, that's the official name of it on there. Pan- Pangea Games. And how, how many people have you got involved in the channel there, uh, right now, then? 1,070 last time I looked. Ooh! Yeah, it uh... kind of surprises me, too. Yeah, now that... That's fantastic. So, is is everyone on there a games developer? Or have you got people who just purely play, test, and review, and just give advice? Anybody is welcome to join. I would say probably about half are game developers, board and video games. The mm-hmm. lion's share being board games because that's what I do. Yeah, we've got bloggers and podcasters. We've got Twitch streamers. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got folks who just like playtests and stuff too, and, and a handful of personal friends in there just uh, just to keep things spicy. Excellent, excellent. I like it spicy. Yeah. And how long have, uh, how long has it been going for now? Then, in its earliest versions, it's been around about a year. But I didn't start pushing it until the very end of June of mm-hmm. 2017. Mm-hmm. So, so it had about 50 people before I started really pushing it. Right. And now it's grown and grown and grown. <laughs> so uh, what what made you want to start that then? What was the thought process behind that? Oh my goodness, I'm trying to actually access the part of my brain that was active right then. <laughs> um, for a while I just thought it would be cool just to have a big room where we would have game developers talk about making games. So I just decided... Well, I'm going to DM all my Twitter followers and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I just started doing that. I just started DMing everybody by hand on on the main account and the Warco account and the Byways account. Just saw how many people I could invite and uh, gradually grew very big just from DMing people. Yeah. So can you... Uh... Can you tell us about any of the the projects that have been uh, underway since the uh, channel started, or uh, is is this top secret stuff? Personal projects or projects that I've seen grow throughout the Discord. Both, both, really. I have seen, man. I like even even giving you an exhaustive list would take a long time, but I've seen <laughs> a couple of games just like really grow in the time that I've been in here. I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Vandev's game, State of Wonder, I've seen that grow really, really mm-hmm. uh, fast, and that's been exciting to watch. Yeah, I've seen Adam Leamy's game, um, uh, Spectrum Force, I've seen that grow since I've been in there. Yeah. Oh, goodness, I, I, I've seen Smunchy's game, his uh, Paths RPG, and that's going to be massive. Right. That's a gargantuan project. I've been watching him work with uh, others on that. Excellent. Um, yeah. Watch it. I've been watching a few uh, gaming websites get a little attention too. Like uh, I've been watching uh, 21st Century Cardboard take off too. It's mm-hmm. just a lot of stuff like that. Bigger and bigger people are starting to show up. One of the guys from uh, Ding and Dent recently started getting active on there too. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, as far good. as personal projects, my main thing has been push the Discord and push highways and byways, but yeah. I've got a lot of other stuff that I want to do in the near future. Let me see. I, 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 got, a, I got a list. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do a game jam. I want to do a game jam at some point, which uh, to anybody who's not aware of what a game jam is, that's uh, pretty much you give people a really tight time frame, like 48 or 72 hours. And then you tell them a topic at the beginning of that that time period, and you say, make a game based on this. Now, I want to do this. If so, I can just get a handful of judges to do it for me so mm-hmm. I can delegate, that's all I need. So that's all I need. 
I, I first heard of Game Jam. It was uh, Bethesda Softworks. They they do it quite a lot, I believe. Um, let's see when they um, they release a big game. Like mm-hmm. they they did it for Skyrim. Yeah. And then yeah. what they they did was um, uh, the Game Jam was uh, everyone like Brandon Sainz given this short period of time, and they all design a thing to add to the game. So uh, out of that. Uh, some of that stuff eventually became paid DLC. Oh right, for right. the game. Oh wow. Um, yeah. The the vampire lords that mm. you can turn into in Skyrim came out of their game jams. Mm-hmm. I think quite a few wow. spells that were added to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, crossbows. Uh, someone designed a fully working crossbow mm. in the game jam with elemental bolts. So. Um, the game jam sounds like quite an interesting one because you don't have to just make that brand new standalone games. You could do the Bethesda thing and and have it give people that short time frame, and make them design expansions for an existing game. Right, and even if I weren't to use any of that um, property for any for any business purpose at all, I think it would be really really neat. Just to. Because the whole the whole idea of this Discord is just to facilitate creativity, to help people uh, find connections when they need them, get feedback when they need it, and a game jam has, has been has been one of those things that people have been asking me about for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's in the works. I, I'm thinking about calling it Pan Jam if that's not too cheesy. I think Pan Jam works. Yeah. I'd love to be a judge <laughs> in that. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, it, hey, it might be coming. It might be coming. Excellent. Um, yeah, I'm kicking around the idea of like, uh, uh, this is, I, I'm not committed to this yet, but I'm kicking around <laughs> the idea of like books and courses too, if this Kickstarter goes like better than I expect, mm-hmm. as okay. a supplement to the blog, which I would just keep on doing my normal thing. Yeah, uh, w- we'll provide a link to the blog for our listeners to uh, check out, but I was giving it a read earlier as well, and again, it's just really good advice for anyone who's wanting to get into the the game development side oh, of things. Uh, I do need to say uh, that the game jam sounds it, it sounds really fun. It also sounds exceptionally stressful. <laughs> but yeah. Have you? Yeah. Have you, so have you? Have you partook in uh, one before uh, before thinking about running your own? Um, no, believe it or not, because a lot of the reason I avoid game jams for mm-hmm. now is because I try and stick on my one project and yeah, get it done. Yeah, that's fair. And That's also, because I'm like, you know, these are the kind of things that people pull all-nighters for. Like, mm-hmm. no joke, people will stay up for 48 hours straight and they'll start making games like this. I'm like, I gotta have a regular sleep schedule to be able to crank out <laughs> um, the amount of stuff I'm doing. I'm absolutely the same. Uh, I think if uh, if I was to stay up for longer than 24 hours, I'd be so delirious, I'd probably be able to hear colours by that point. <laughs> so... <laughs> Which might be good when you're trying to make a game in a hurry. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it will certainly, uh, it will probably uh, certainly help with the uh, cre- uh, getting the creative yeah. uh, juices flowing. Some proper but, psychedelic yeah. abstract stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look at Azul; that must have come out of a session like that. Oh, it may very well have. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Probably. I've been kicking around the idea of making like. Um, I call it a talent network where people can just fill out a, an online form saying like what they do, mm-hmm. whether it be make games, make art, stuff like that, and and like link to their portfolios. And 
if I find, I would just check it every week or so. I would just look for people who are trying to, to get jobs and I'd see if I could, you know, like hook an artist up with a job, hook a, hook a, um, a board game developer up with an artist, stuff like that. Kicking around that idea. That would be, that would be a big project just because that would require tons of outreach, not to mention a really good data structure and a process in order to be able to do that. But I would love to. Sounds do like that. you've got the contacts for it. I might, I might just be able to pull that off. I might have enough people in the Discord to pull that off now. I think that's a fantastic idea, though, because it's something. Um, certainly, speaking to a few game developers, that's one of the early things you struggle with, right? It's getting in right. touch with uh, good, reliable people. The right people. Yeah, yeah the right people to help Especially make a project. Yeah, to help make your project a. A reality, really, because yeah. uh, it's not not everyone knows a good graphic designer or artist to. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I straight up got a lucky break. That's how I got my artist. I got a lucky break. Oh, how, how how did you meet your artist then? Oh boy, so I knew a guy <laughs> through Minecraft. He knew a guy through Club Penguin, and that's how I found an artist. <laughs> there we go. The the three degrees of Minecraft right there. <laughs> Pretty much, like I just played obsessively on a on a server I used to run, um, like four or five years ago. Um, I kept in touch with the guy. I kept in touch with Alex, and he set me up with James, who did everything for Warco and everything for Highways and Byways. Oh, fantastic! So all the mums out there that think their sons are wasting away their lives playing online games. That puts paid to that. They're all networking. You just there we don't go. Know. There we go. Uh, yeah, th- that is honestly how networking works in gaming. <laughs> that's actually how it works. It really is. <laughs> well, that's excellent. Well, Brandon, look, uh, thanks very much for coming on the show today. It's been great having you. Uh, so keep an eye out for Highways and Byways uh, coming to Kickstarter in March. And uh, the game developer discord channel will provide a link uh, by all means guys get involved in that even if it's just in the capacity for playtesting and providing feedback even if you're not a game developer i'm sure you uh, well i'm sure anyone's more than welcome as you just said earlier brandon absolutely fantastic well look guys we'll uh, bring this week's episode to a close so thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time cheers bye It's Charlotte from the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All you need to do is search Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support for the Unlucky Frog through Pod Pledge and Patreon. To find out more information about how to get involved that way, check out our website, www.unluckyfrog.com. Thanks. Bye.